0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. We'll be celebrating World Children's Day on the 20th of November and as we look towards upholding children's rights. I'm joined by consultant clinical psychologist Paul Jambunathan to discuss how to help children develop Emotional Intelligence for Better
1: Mental Health
0: and Resilience. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, you, welcome.
1: So good to, to be here with you.
0: Yes, uh, and you know, this is the month, I think it started in October because I think in Malaysia, we also celebrate Children's Day. Like, I remember growing up yeah. in schools, we used to celebrate Children's Day around October. Right. But worldwide, this idea of celebrating children's rights um, culminate in November. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Uh, I think you also had this idea To talk about emotional intelligence In children And uh, you know Just looking at Helping children Talk about their feelings, understand it better. And, uh, it, you know, what, what, is the, what is the bigger picture that we're trying to um, achieve here? Yeah. Perhaps we can start with understanding emotional intelligence this is a pretty big concept. <laughs> and then you it hear is. people talking about EQ <coughs> and how that has become a bit of a buzzword for yeah, a while. Yeah. So so what
1: exactly is emotional intelligence? Okay, just, just to go back a bit, you know, you said we used to celebrate Children's Day. Well, um, I know when I was in primary school, on Children's Day, they'll nominate a day for Children's Day, and we'll all bring little goodies to the classroom, and yes. we'll all have a little party. That's right. But I remember very vividly, I was a prefect then, I remember very vividly on Children's Day, I was helping to organise the thing in the classroom, and I did something wrong, and I had I had to go to the principal's office and get one cane shot. That's Children's Day for me Oh dear (laughs) If only I was understood why I did that Back in the day
0: when um, That uh, physical punishment was still Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah Yeah.
1: Oh, I've got caning in public In terms of (laughs) Naughty boy
0: I'm glad they stopped doing that in
1: (laughs) school Yeah, yeah, that's good That's good Well, (laughs) coming up to emotional intelligence I believe, and it is one of my pet areas, it, um, one of my areas of specialty, I, I believe that emotional intelligence is forms the basis of human function. And if I push it philosophically, I'll say of humanity, Wow! being human. Um, and um, you, you mentioned EQ. Now, we stay away from this thing called EQ. I don't believe there's such a thing called EQ. In fact, um, although people use that as a buzzword. Uh, you see, when, when we talk about IQ, it means they measure your intelligence with various puzzles. And along to, to develop their score, you have to divide it by your age. Okay, so that means the older you get, the divisor gets bigger. That means your intelligence falls. It gets smaller, right? Okay, so th- that's what it means. Now, if you talk about... EQ, your emotional intelligence, as you get older, will actually depreciate. Now we don't like quotient because that we don't divide it by your age and all of that. I think as we get older, we should be getting wiser. And research has shown that even in in terms of various other intelligences, people's uh, wisdom kicks in. They become more intelligent, but slower and lesser mistakes. So you know this this whole formula of EQ, the Q is not important at all. What's important is EI, emotional intelligence. And intelligence here talks about how skilled you are in this area of emotions, how skilled you are at uh, using emotions, identifying emotions in yourself and other people. And the person to look up for EI, the, the way it was born, was via a fantastic researcher called Professor Peter Salovey. I think he's one of the presidents of Yale at the moment, but he was a professor then. <clears throat> and um, Yale leads the way in many places, but many universities are leading, are leading places of research in this area. I, uh, Yale has got a fantastic center, Center for Emotional Intelligence. Please look this up. It's very good reading. So look up Peter Salovey's work. And many of his proteges have, have developed this whole concept very, very nicely. Now, um, EI is about, basically it's defined as how well you know yourself in terms of um, your ability to, men, to identify your own emotions, to identify other people's emotions, and how these people how these two sets of emotions work together. Now, this is just two people, but that you could be working as a team, you could be working as a group. How do we look at it? We look at it in five different areas. Um, self-awareness is very big. Um, Self-regulation—that's very—that's a big part of how you manage things. Your motivation, your empathy, and social skills. Now, these these form the, the basis of human function, everyday function. Exactly, and it's the f- interpersonal effectiveness.
0: It's the fundamental
1: of just existing, right? Not, yeah, yeah. You know, you know the word emotion. Actually, it's a Latin word the word motivation stems from that motivation is actually what that which makes you move and in latin emotion actually means that which makes you move so anything we do we may be conscious of it or not conscious of it but anything we do is driven by an emotion you know, as a matter of habit, as a matter of routine, we eat, we laugh, we joke, we hug, we touch, we say hello, but there's always an emotion behind it. And the key is to become aware of these things that drive you.
0: So you say you wanted to stay, or rather, we we try to stay away from the idea of a quotient.
1: Yes. Um, mm. Although the books are labelled as such, mm. but if you look it up, make sure it's about emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah.
0: How, how do you measure or, or perhaps assess um, someone whether somebody has? I'm going to use the word healthy uh, yeah. has a healthy level of emotional
1: intelligence. Uh, well, it's it's a very sophisticated thing. You you, it's not just about already. I mentioned five domains, mm. right? And you'll have to identify, you have to have self-reports that actually show me how aware you are of these five domains and your proficiency in them. We measure your emotional vocabulary. You know, how many emotion-based words do you know? Are you able to label and translate your thoughts, your actions into words that describe emotions? Um, How effective you are interpersonally, whether you have empathy. Um, Now, one of the big... Kinds of tests we have is something called situation judgment tests, where we don't ask you um, uh, what um, two plus two is what, or two divided by two, or the square root of three. Those tell, will give me your mathematical intelligence, but we give you a situation, a little paragraph. Uh, if you find, if someone calls you an idiot in town, or someone says that you are stupid, but you are surrounded with other people in a party, and your grandparents are there, and your father is a heart attack patient. Now, you can see we give you a scenario. Now, what would you do in response to this person's um, what insult? Mm-hmm. Now, you're given the situation. We wait for your reply and see what all you've brought into, what variables you've brought into consideration, and how you are reacting, and, and how you either predict or manage the consequence. Now, we don't take that into account, now situation judgment tests are very hard to 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 uh, manufacture. But it's becoming more of um, a measure for people who treat other, who work with other people, like doctors, nurses, psychologists, teachers. I think parents should have this kind of test before they have children.
0: <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I but agree. of course it,
1: there is a developmental timeline. It gets more and more complex as you go along. Mm-hmm. You know, there's death and passing and marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes yeah. marriage is worse than the death. You know. <laughs> uh,
0: but I definitely agree about um, parents uh, having. Because if we are talking about teaching children to develop emotional intelligence, where are they going to learn it from? From parents, Um, right? So um, I think uh, we want to go for a quick break first and then we'll come back because everything you've described... Um, leads me to like one blinding question in my mind. Uh, Where does emotional intelligence come from? And how do we nurture it? Let's go for a quick break. And when we come back, we will address um, all those other issues. Paul Jamunathan, consultant, clinical psychologist in the studio with me, discussing how to teach children emotional intelligence. We'll be right back on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Tisha, joining me in the studio for his regular show with us, consultant clinical psychologist, Paul Jambunathan. We're discussing emotional intelligence today and particularly how to nurture it in children in conjunction with World Children's Day, which is commemorated every year on the 20th of November, uh, later this month. So uh, Paul has described five domains uh, of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation empathy and social skills and we can see how all of these are skills that um, guide us to live every day in in our in our families in our communities in society um, so you know who better to talk about you know, this uh, than among children but um, the, before the break I said that the, the one thing that was a pressing question for me is where does emotional intelligence come from? are we born with some sense of it uh, or is it largely nurtured uh,
1: through what we are exposed to and modeled? Oh you're right in all, all counts <clears throat> when you have a baby who's crying okay um, let's say this baby can talk. <laughs> Okay, and you ask the baby why you're crying now the baby will not be able to say i'm crying because i'm hungry or i'm crying because i soiled myself but of course the babies can't respond that way so they cry they're crying because they're emotional about something something is 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 disturbing their peace of mind or their stability their balance and so they are you know they're crying out loud asking for attention and help okay that's what babies do now, you as a parent who's going to attend to this baby will say, why is the baby crying out? Oh, he's in need of, you know, he, he's uh, FOMO or he, 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 wants, he wants attention <clears throat> or he's hungry now. It's time for feeding. So you are interpreting this. Now, as this child, the child has, cannot label this emotion, but that's an emotions are driving this child, okay? Now, as the child gets older and develops a vocabulary, um, the child is throwing a tantrum now. And what would you be thinking? This child is angry for no reason. Why are you so angry? There you go. That's the first labeling of an emotion. Mm -hmm. The primary environment tells the child, you're stupid, you're clever, you're loved, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're selfish. And this child is now labeling that feeling, whatever that feeling is. Now, if you teach a child who cries and you tell the child why you're always so happy and the child is crying and livid, oh, you're happy, the child will learn to label that, that nasty feeling as happy. Now, the primary environment helps the child um, label these emotions. Mm. Now, <clears throat> so you're right, the primary environment mm. is responsible for that. Mm. Now, what do, what does the primary environment consist of? <clears throat> Parents, TV, yes. cartoons, mm. Mm. kindergarten, other children, yeah. Teachers, caregivers, grandparents, wow, this child is an all-absorbing thing in terms of language, labeling. Now, whenever you use a word like idiot, the child is in an emotional state anyhow, some emotional state. The child is understanding this word and you call someone else idiot or put someone else down and the child is watching this and the child will start modeling it. So I always tell people, give me a kindergarten child for a little while, and I'll tell you what's happening in their primary environment at home. So you're right on all counts. The child starts pairing their emotional state with vocabulary that's used around them. And so it all begins at home, I hope. However, it's a very sad situation that parents don't have that kind of time anymore, and uh, it's a... We have no control over the kind of vocabulary that's taught to the children, taught to the kids. Um, now we are a multilingual multilingual uh, society. So we've got Malay, Tamil, Chinese, all some other dialects, and English. Mm-hmm. So if you can to my, my advice to parents is teach a child, talk to a child, relate to a child in one stable language. Teach as many as you want, but when you communicate and connect with a child, use one language and become help the child become proficient in reception of that language, receptive skills and expressive skills mm-hmm. in terms of everything that language can give. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad thing is what, you know, parents discard their kids. La. They send them off and the kids are in a, in, a, in a play school from 7 in the morning to maybe 8 at night. So the, children, the parents don't have time with the kids to be their primary teachers. So the, te- the children are learning things that you have no control over in the kindergartens or in primary school or other kids. Uh, the child comes home and says, Mom and, and parents are having a little bit of a tiff. Mum and dad, are you going to get divorced? Are you going to divorce mummy, daddy? Where did the child learn this? Uh, a classmate whose parents have divorced... And the child is totally related to that and understood it. And so divorce is the a, a resolution to a conflict that she, he sees. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got to stop and say, whoa, where did you learn this from? You've got to be able to spend time. So if you want to teach emotional intelligence, if you want to be the parent of the child in this area, you've got to grow with your child, not just weekends, not just any... At any time, any opportunity is a teaching opportunity to grow with your child. Mm. Be your child's primary environment. If not, send them to experts. Don't send them for maths classes and multiplication classes. I prefer that you send them for emotional intelligence classes and problem solving classes. you know you'll have a, a happier child, a more communicative child to, to live with rather than someone who's just getting you A's. Mm-hmm. The A's will drive you to the to the happy farm faster than anyone else.
0: So we talked about how developing emotional intelligence
1: is basically
0: skills. Um, skills to recognize emotions in yourself and others. Um, if I could add, probably understanding um, the causes, where are those emotions coming from, what are the consequences of your actions, right? Um, and, and regulation, you talked about empathy. You know, a lot of it is so instinctive. Yeah. How do we actually teach <laughs> Um, I feel for the parents, and you use the strong word discard. I feel for the parents who um, are in that situation. Yes, of yes, I, I feel for them too. Yeah, True. Both, both parents working, having to send their children to some form of uh, childcare. Um, so, okay, what, what can parents do? Uh, understanding the realities of our situations, what are some different contexts in which parents can nurture? Uh, have those teaching moments about uh, in emotional intelligence?
1: Well, you cannot teach a child to run or walk if you can't run or walk well, right? You cannot teach a child to swim if you're not a swimmer, so you pass them on. I can understand those concepts. <clears throat> now, um, if you want to, to work with your child, you have to discard some kind of various reactions that are negative reactions, such as... Don't disturb me. Don't you understand? I just came back from work. I'm tired. Whoa, hold on a minute. Who's the bigger person here? Whose brain is more evolved? Who's supposed to be more emotionally intelligent? And here you put down a child and say, I'm not interested in your emotions at the moment. Buzz off. Gone. Finished. Relationship chipped away big time. Foundation chipped away big time. Dad, uh, someone used a, a big word called sex in, in school today. I want to talk to you, but not now. Or go ask your mother. Now, mother's gonna give her the same response. So the child is gonna say, I know where I can get this from, the internet. Or my friends. Now you've got no control over what the child is learning and how what emotions are attributed to the word sex. Now, the the other thing is, the other thing parents can do is if you're going to buy into if you're going to assume this responsibility of being your child's primary teacher and guide, compass maybe. And if you're going to buy into how important emotional intelligence is, then you have to start developing an emotional vocabulary. Okay, what is your emotional vocabulary now? When I w- run workshops f- for adults, mind you, um, I ask them to, li- to to just shout out some emotions, and they'll shout out emotions, you know, they'll very quickly say things like sad happy frustrated angry all this kind of stuff will come out and then by the time they reach seven or eight responses oh, they'll come and they'll repeat themselves and so I'll say okay let's stop at 10 some some groups they can go up to 20 when i work out the percentage of emotions that are associated with negative reactions like sad or angry they all are real emotions they're good emotions to have they're necessary emotions to have but they are associated with a negative state so when I compare the, the so-called negative and positive, the negative emotions are far more than the positive ones. And this is like adults, 80 90% is negative. Now, I turn around and ask, and tell them, I don't want to go out with you. I don't want to have fun with you because the, f- the first thing, if I have an accident with you, finish la. You are primed, everything in the forefront of your mind is so negative, I'm going to face a negative wall, anything I say. They'll come up with all this foul mouth stuff and all that. You know, that's the kind of response you get. And your child is watching from inside the car, you know, (laughs) okay? Now, the thing that I'm trying to press home is that you've got to develop an emotional vocabulary that your child can model and something that you can see in other people. Now, if I asked you to just, just think for yourselves now, like, guys, you know, Name me 10 emotions. You will find that you are your negative ones outdo the positive ones. Yeah, actually, we should all probably try this <laughs> yeah. out. Maybe, maybe you should revise. Just pick up the dictionary or Google emotion list and learn the, learn the meanings of various emotions. Now, you know, you've got emotions such as accomplished. I don't think many people feel that. You know, um, adventurous, appreciative, appreciated, calm, careful, cautious. That's only the A and C, you know. Cherished, conscious, credible, emancipated. Wow. Now, going to the E. Euphoric, faithful, flexible, gentle. I'm honoured. I feel honoured. I'm inspired. Joy! Yeah. You know, marvellous, open-hearted, open, passionate. Going to the P's. Proficient, radiant, respectful, respected. I feel revitalised, skillful, spirited, teachable, understood united wonderful my goodness there's so many positive emotions but it's not part of our daily vocabulary so learn these words uh, you can translate it into any language you want but increase your emotional vocabulary both the positive type and the type we call negative and teach your children this now how did i do it when my children when my daughters were quite young the usual responses they have is happy sad and angry, OK? These three things. La. Yeah. Now, I, they could be angry with us. They, I mean, when we say stop playing with a toy, sure, they're angry with us, la, and then they get sad. So I wanted them to learn to label their emotions. Now, they didn't teach me this in university. It's called creative parenting. So you know the little kindergarten chairs, the plastic ones? So I went and bought three chairs, three different colors, yellow, red, and blue, OK? So I said, listen, when you feel angry, you know you're upset about something, go and sit on the red chair. Okay? And if daddy sees you or mommy sees you sitting on the red chair, we'll come and we'll talk about it. If you feel sad, sit on the blue chair. And if you feel like crying or you just cried, sit on the blue chair. You watch TV by sitting on the blue chair. And I'll come and talk to you about it. And if you're feeling happy, sit on the yellow chair. So they started learning these concepts of how to label and how to express. And then we use those words. Mm-hmm. No, I can see you're feeling sad and happy. So yes, parents need to be creative they need to improve their emotional vocabulary and I'll come back to the same bad four-letter word. You have to have time for it. Mm -hmm. So what you,
0: um, how you responded to their choosing which chair to sit on is actually modelling then um, how they can eventually learn to deal with those emotions Or perhaps yeah. respond when other people are displaying those emotions right. Because Paul, I can imagine many people And I'm sure I do it myself mm. um, uh, My child uh, is displaying signs of anger Or even says I'm angry or I'm sad, <laughs> I'm crying mm. You know, you as a parent, stop crying What do you have to be sad about? What do you have to be angry about? (laughs) Yeah. Right? So that is an unhealthy uh, response. response.
1: Yeah. What should you have done? What you should be doing is, I can see that you feel sad. Tell me why. And then the child is able to expand on that. So you've got to be the the, the bigger navigator and uh, get their feelings, understand their feelings, and they'll become more intelligent, provide options, and you'll be surprised. The magic is both ways, you know you start becoming alive to this and you'll begin to enjoy it. Now, there's another th- way you can do this. My wife and I have simulated drama. We'll, we'll sit down and we'll plan a, a small quarrel in the kitchen and our children will say, come and watch, mommy and I are having a quarrel. And how we quarrel is important for the children to watch. And how we resolve that quarrel. And, and the words we use, oh, Sarah, I can see that you're feeling sad. I'm sorry. Um, well, I, I'm feeling very upset that I made you upset. Um, let's make up and uh, talk about this later. You know, for a deal, huh? small, small ones. And then we sh- shake hands, hug, and do something nice. OK, then the children are watching this. But again, creative, deliberate, that's the word. Creative and deliberate parenting and you must have time for it. So if we can go a little deeper into um, some difficult
0: situations that parents and children often have to navigate, if I think about um, issues or problems like um, kids getting into trouble at school, picking up smoking or vaping, for instance, or spending too much time gaming, failing in subjects, Uh, you know, these are the things that um, trouble a lot of families. Parents not knowing how to navigate. Uh, let's let's walk through those situations. Um, you know, pick any uh, as an example, and again, how parents respond um, will come into developing children's emotional
1: intelligence. Right? Okay. Sure. For sure. Now, um, the the first thing to remember is the fact that they've got into this habit or this uh, behavior that you don't appreciate that doesn't go doesn't fit into your family pattern undesirable behavior. The first thing to understand is whatever the child has done, there, there are emotions behind that, that that's driven them towards this, this this behavior. So you have to understand that there are emotions there. So if you suddenly realize that I, it's time for me to talk to, to my son about uh, uh, his occasional cigarette smoking. Uh, son... Instead of becoming, let me go back a little bit. Instead of being instinctive and responding instinctively because you are angry, you are upset, and you are frustrated, uh, you are ashamed, all these kind of things are mixing up inside you. You are not able to tease out various emotions, but it's one concoction of, of negativity. Son, what the heck, you are smoking, you know, it's bad for you and it's disgusting, finish, la. your son is going to clamp up. Whatever emotions he has, whatever reaction he has, however much love he has for you, he's going to repress and suppress it and say, you know, dad, just leave me alone. I don't have a father kind of concept. La. So now, instead of doing that, what you should be doing is acknowledge the existence of this issue, Son, I notice that you're smoking a little bit more nowadays. Mom saw you smoking. I can smell it also. Um, uh, What pleasure do you get out of it? Okay? Uh, How often do you do it?
0: That's interesting, right? Because um, now you're actually... um, In a way, you're not just condemning. No. um, You're actually finding out
1: why they are doing it. Yes, exactly. Why you're doing it and understanding the child. Now, with this question comes a very important skill called listen. <laughs> yeah. yep. So you ask this question, what pleasure listening. did you get from yeah. you? Listen, don't, be, don't come up with a ready response. Do you know it's bad for you? <laughs> yeah. Wait, we know that. We want to drive this message home. I mean, if, if you're talking to a 30-year-old, uh, you, you can say, son, you're smoking a lot, huh? and then drop it. Let him go and work it out. You know, He's an adult. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> little kids, get them closer to you. Let them turn around and tell their, their friends who are encouraging them to smoke, saying, wow, my father knows he's, I smoke. You know, we had a discussion about it as well. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. You'll develop a better bond. But the most important thing is for you to ask and listen. Crucial things. So ask. That's the way to go forward. Ask in a very neutral manner, in a very receptive manner, in a good situation, not in front of strangers where he's going to feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. But uh, how? Where, where did you learn this from? all non-judgmental, and slowly develop the, the message and say, son, do, do you understand what daddy feels about this? And I'm, I'm, I'm worried that it might affect your health. But if you're trying to experiment with this for a little while, go ahead, son, but let me know. Um, and um, let's work out a contract. If you want to buy a pack of cigarettes, um, come and tell Mila. So that at least you know, I'll come with you, or you know, you, you're developing. You're not promoting it, but at least you're monitoring the frequency of it, and you're you are developing an openness about your between your son and your and and you. Um, so be very careful, be very tactful. Um, I've had I've had parents who've consulted me on this about children and their video games, children and TV addiction, um, and we've got some modern modern uh, addictions going around as well. But any addiction. Uh, a famous psychologist called it excessive appetites. Mm-hmm. It could be binging, it could be gambling, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. But once somebody has an excessive appetite, there's, there are emotions involved love, for sure in everything we do. Mm-hmm. So your job is to get in touch with that emotion non-judgmentally.
0: Yeah. Is that going to be seen... Um, as permissive, right, to some people. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what societal norms do we need to challenge when it comes to talking about emotions, um, approaching difficult situations um, in that manner, um, trying to understand children's feelings instead of um, scolding and criticising? It all comes from the kinds
1: of norms uh, we were brought up with, right? Yes, of course. But you see, instead of trying to manage... Um, other people's emotions that that determine their behavior, um, you should become a master and control your own emotions first. So if you slow down, become aware of your emotions, then you can formulate uh, proactive parenting. Now, the, the government wants to stop you smoking cigarettes. So what do they do? Raise the prices and ban cigarette smoking in certain areas. But you have not managed their emotions what drives youngsters to smoke? What drives them to maintain smoking? And they'll find other ways to smoke, okay? They will start smoking cheap cigarettes because you've raised the prices, because they want to smoke. They may, they may want to belong to a group of smokers. So uh, yes, when we, when we try to control people's emotions, there'll be a kickback.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned that pr-
0: parents are the primary environment. Should be. Should be. Um, but the schools uh, and the um, authority figures in school also have such a big role to play in children's lives. Yeah. Um, what can schools and teachers do to also
1: contribute to developing emotional intelligence? They need to be trained. Mm-hmm. It should become part of the primary syllabus. It should be. It should become part of primary, uh, part of part of teachers' training. Uh, but it, it, it isn't. They learn some psychology, and they say, "I learned some child psychology," but. I don't think it's enough. I think that should form the basis of all curriculums. I mean I I, I even battled the medical curriculum. It's not there. I mean yes ask a patient how it, how she feels and that's it finish. Line. Yeah. But then you're still prescribing and says don't, don't do this do this do this don't do this. But the patient is you know in a in a difficult state they have got all kinds of emotions running through their veins. Everyone needs to be aware of emotions. But the best thing is when a child comes home are they coming home to a safe place where they can express these emotions? Whether they've learned it rightly or incorrectly, the child can come home, express these emotions, and you can say, oh, I must work on these emotions. Lah. Mm. This is slightly wrong, doesn't fit into our culture, our mm. value system. We have to work on it. But you've got to monitor that child, lah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You, so the child. So the home is that haven where. If,
1: yeah. yeah. The home, or even if you're staying with your grandmother sure. or, or adoptive your parents. Environment. Yeah, very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And... Children who can understand this concept, um, if you can understand, if they can understand that that emotions, people don't understand me. You know, children often say that. Nobody understands me. That's because you're, you're not speaking emotions. We need you to speak emotions. For that to happen, you need to learn what these emotions are. So we need people who can f- identify that and foster that. That's what happens in my clinic to a large extent. So when we talk about emotions, we can respond to these emotions and then they can choose. They can choose to change from being sad to neutral to happy. And I can choose to be angry if I want to, but it's not negative. It's facilitative to, to, um, to, to facilitate some interaction I'm going through. You know, I can be angry at a traffic jam. I can be angry at the tax system. I can choose to be angry or I can choose to be happy. You know, it, Once you understand this, you can actually have a choice and you become more effective because your vocabulary has become so incisive and, and specific.
0: What, what are we trying to achieve with this? How does emotional <clears throat> intelligence help young people and children navigate growing up, adulting? Um, and what does it do for their mental health?
1: Well, first of all, you begin to understand yourself better. You begin to define yourself better. You begin to, to be able to make choices for yourself better you become a better human being because you are interacting with people better and i we call it interpersonal effectiveness so you're able to work with other people better you can resolve conflicts and define conflicts better your problem solving gets better you can uh, your job performance gets better everything gets better and let me tell you this when your mind and your brain are functioning better your body is also better right and and you'll be a better person overall um, this emotional intelligence didn't come out of nowhere, you know. Um, it took time for, for psychology, uh, practical applied psychology, to come up with how important emotions are and how fundamental it is. It's just that we take things for granted and we assume things about the other person according to our definitions and our perceptions of this person. You know, um, people who are fat and big, um, they must be overeating, la. You know, and you, you develop this kind of automatic response. But when you, when you do say that, listen, um, I notice, you know, I, can, I hope I can ask you these questions. I, I notice that, you know, you're, you're bigger than me. Um, where do you get your clothes? Okay, do you have difficulty? You must, you have difficulties. You must be having difficulties. Slowly, if you dig away very neutrally at that, you'll find that they have a serious hormonal problem. You know, and the diet is a very good diet, but by, all, by my goodness, they're they suffering from a disease. And then you'll say, gee, how wrong was I? So you develop this. So you go into a situation neutrally and ask and mm. listen. You've got to listen and then change gears and, and choose, a, choose mm. a response. Would you have a final message, Paul? Yes, I do. I do, I do, I do. <clears throat> I want to talk about drinking tea. Okay. Yeah. You know, when you drink tea, You go to a mama shop with your friend, you sit down there and say, Te te Satu, Te Tare Satu. And then you sit and drink Te Tare with a small glass, you know, and you sit and chit chat. How long do you chat for? Quite long. Could go on past an hour. I'm going to chat you. I'm an hour, okay? Some say half an hour, some say two hours. But in between, you say, "Ah, Lagi Satu, and then you go on with that again. Now, you go on talking, talking, talking over a cup of tea. Now, we are not having a tea so ceremonial, so basic across all cultures. Now, what we're doing is, do you know how we have tea at home nowadays? The tea is prepared. It's in a pot. You rush through, you pick it up, pour it, drink it, and off you go. Mm -hmm. But those days when we had tea, we Mm -hmm. sit around as a family, share the biscuits, and we're talking. The way I have tea is when I sit with someone and have a drink together, we are talking, what are you talking about? Politics, this, that, that, the other. And then if you go, if you dig deeper, you're talking about how other people feel about this happening, how other people feel about that government, how other people feel about that girl, that boy. Mm. Tea is about talking and spending time with people. Mm. I have, I've got a brand of tea that I want to sell today. You can't buy it on the shelves. La. It's, it's spelled T-E-A, but it actually stands for talking emotions and attitudes. You should have tea with your loved ones and special ones as often as possible with time on your hands. Don't rush it. So when you have tea with your children, you're talking emotions and attitudes. So I wish all of you, starting whenever you want to start, have tea with your loved ones, especially your children.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Paul. Paul Jamunaden, consultant clinical psychologist, talking about emotional intelligence today, and um, you know, encouraging us all to have tea. tea, talking emotions and attitudes. This has been Health and Living BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.